Hi, this is Justin. And today on Theocast, we're going to be talking about all of the things that we tend to hope in that ultimately will disappoint us. And we all do this anyway. We hope in things of this world that will never deliver hope and peace and rest. But to make matters worse, in the church, we're often encouraged to place our hope and confidence and to put our effort into things that are earthbound and will not give us rest eternally. So John and I are going to have a conversation today about some of that stuff, the things that confuse us and get in the way. And ultimately, we're going to have a conversation about Christ, who is our rest and hope and peace. We hope this is encouraging for you. Stay tuned. A simple and easy way for you to help support Theocast each month is by shopping at Amazon through the Amazon Smile program. When you make a purchase through Amazon Smile, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to our ministry. To learn how to sign up, just go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ, conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed and pastoral perspective. That's right. Your hosts today, I was distracted by John waving his mug around, and not his uh, face, <laughs> not his face, but his coffee Thanks mug. Thanks for the clarification. Uh, there that is, friends. I do for wave those my of you face around. Who aren't watching on video, you'll just have to take my word for it. Uh, it is good to be around the mics with you today. Our hosts today, I haven't even finished the introduction, are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and myself, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. John, tell the people about stuff related to Theocast. I don't even know everything that you're coming out with. Yeah, here. I've got some new stuff. I'm trying to find, oh man, I left it. Oh well, we'll have to talk about it next podcast. Hey, check this out. Um, I may, I should just run and get it. Check this out. We got these new stickers by this time. Hopefully they'll be on our website. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Trust Christ and calm Man, down. I need to get me one of them now. Bro, I've got one that reflects. Should I run and go get it? I got one that reflects. We got 30 of them. So hmm. people have been wanting those more. Hmm. And then uh, we've got other stickers. All this hopefully will be available on the I website. I hope you're bringing those, some of those my way in December. I've got them. Come I'm like, on. We got a red one. We're going to get I a black one of, of this. Yeah. Of a, just yeah, the T. And then we got the regular Theocast. I need a black I don't tea. know. People love need... to. Hey, what about a button? We should do a survey. I We got we got a request to. We got. We have this company who sends me deals all the time. We can get, you know, those buttons that it says vote. I voted mm-hmm. or whatever. Ooh. Because it says Theocast. Speaking of voting. Oh. Um, we could. got a comment to lead us into our we conversation. Could. Anyways. Oh, and get the other thing is. Um, our books. You know, this is just like shameless advertising. Yes. Vintage series, go to theocast.org, get our new books, and we'll ship them to you someday. So Someday. Oh, man, I just spelled everywhere. Justin, speaking of disappointment, I'm very disappointed in what I just did oh. here. I'm going to let you give us our introduction while I run and get a tape paper towel because I man, just I'm spilled gonna, all over my desk. You'll be so. left alone in the seat here. That's right. Talk, talk to us about what we're talking about today. All right. So John and I were having a conversation before we recorded. We always talk before we record. And we were talking about life and our own personal struggles, even things that we're battling these days. And some of the stuff that came up was just stuff that we're struggling with and disappointed about and um, ways that we're fighting our own constitutions, our hearts and minds. Like we struggle just like anybody else. And so prompted us as we talked and thought together about this stuff that we all are, if we're honest, we're more fragile and sinful than we think, certainly. But we all tend to hope in things of this world more than we think we do. Mm. 
by definition, disappointment means that I have expectations that are not met mm-hmm. or I have hopes that are not realized. And we all know, I mean, we're just going to say this out of the gate that the Lord delivers on every promise he's ever made. So wow. God will never disappoint us. Uh, we will never be disappointed. We will never have expectations not met or hopes not met in God because of what Christ has done for us. So all of our disappointment and our frustration, and our anger and all that kind of stuff comes from, stems from the fact that we tend to hope for things in this life and in this world that we don't get. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that could be said about this stuff. But John and I were thinking about you guys that listen and we are thinking that not only is this just a personal struggle in our lives, the church in a lot of ways has doubled down on this and has not been helpful to us Mm. because we're being pointed implicitly and oftentimes explicitly to things that are inherently of this world and are encouraged in various ways to put our hope in those things. And just truth and advertising, right? Here's where we're going to end up. None of those things give us rest and none Mm. of those things give us peace. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Justin, have you ever met anybody who's never disappointed? Nope. Yeah, but, I, but I've met people who pretend to be that way. You know, oh, there's like a Mr. lot Posit- of fakers out there. Who <laughs> yeah. Act like, oh, the, yeah, how are you? everything's the, just great, man. The Mr. Positive person. Good night. And when I meet them, it takes everything within me not to just want to pull them aside and be like, how exhausted are you? Yeah. Like, you must be exhausted. Like, this is quite a facade that you have put up here, <laughs> you know? And it's a lot of work, I trust, to maintain this thing. Yeah, I think, and this is one of the things we'll argue with later, argue for, I think the process of sanctification is becoming less and less disappointed in this world and more and more satisfied in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it's not this idea where one becomes more stoic and less sinful. I, I, I honestly believe that sanctification is the process of putting greater faith and trust in the promises of God. And as to, to Justin, you said something that just absolutely got my brain like, in fifth gear, ready to run, which is always fun about Theocast. This is what we're always trying to do. Like, how do we get this ship rolling, right? Like, let's yeah. get this thing moving. And what, for me, that the uh, statement that you said is that that God never fails his promises, which means we have no reason to ever be disappointed yeah. or discouraged with God. But the problem is, is that we often are. Like, we are very disappointed, very discouraged. One of the questions I get more than anything and my ministry is about prayer. Prayer is the most disappointing, discouraging part of the Christian life. And it gets even worse when, like, t- t- Kevin, uh, what's his name? Uh, t- Keller. Tim Keller yesterday put out a tweet about how our private prayer life is like the like the means by which we like we know whether or not we're a Christian. You talk about... Yeesh. You talk about being discouraged. I'm like, why would he say that? And of course, the comments were like, what passage is he referencing where Jesus actually says this? But if we understand the truth of the scriptures, then every promise that God has ever given us, and here's what's crazy, Justin, he even promises us suffering. Like he, oh, yeah. he promises us there's suffering. Well, it, yeah, every he tells promises, us that it will characterize this life. Yeah. And James yeah. and the, and the, and the, the encouragement of James is that God uses yes. that for the endurance of our faith, which is a great encouragement. It should, should be a great Amen. It, and to produce steadfastness in us, which is exactly what you were saying a minute ago when you made the comment about sanctification, which right. yeah, we can pick up on later, that sanctification really is learning more and more to trust Christ and the promises of God in Christ in spite of circumstance. Right. Yeah. So you compare this 
to where you were heading. You have um, one of the things that we're trying to do at Theocast is show the the objective realities of Jesus Christ. And when we put our focus and hope in that, yep. we will have no reason to ever be disappointed because right. he is faithful to complete what he has started. If he started a good work in you, he will complete it. That means we have zero reason to ever be disappointed in our faith in Christ. But mm-hmm. when it comes to this world, we have every reason. And Justin and I spent many, many minutes, if not an hour, uh, bemoaning our frustrations and disappointments with ourselves, yeah. with our life here on this world, with our marriage, with our church. We There's much to yeah. be disappointed in because... And even Man, just lamenting our sinners. own failures, you know, I mean, it's just right. like, we yeah. live with sinners, right? It's yeah. like, you're going to be disappointed. If I can really quick, John, you, you mentioned the comment I made, which made you think a thing. So I, I said mm-hmm. that, you know, the Lord delivers on every promise he's ever made. So he'll never disappoint us. But then you said, you know, but people are being effectively the way I'm going to frame it is people are being lied to about God That's and right. are being lied to about what the Lord has in fact promised us because God has not bound himself. God has not said he's going to deliver on promises that he's never made. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're being told a lot of things in the church. And by that, of course, we mean like the, the American ish church, right. Where we find ourselves and, and many people find themselves in that context. Uh, We're being told a lot of things about God. Like he's promised us this, or he wants these things for us. And in fact, in his word, rightly understood, like biblically and confessionally understood, he's not promised us that stuff. And so it leads to a lot of confusion and a lot of disappointment. Mm. And yeah. So, well, I just, can I interject there to your point as an illustration, I put this tweet out, you know, you have the prosperity gospel preacher who's falsely advertising, you know, success. God has designed success for your life. And to prove that, you know, it's like God told me to buy this plane as a prophet of God. And then I go read Ezekiel and Ezekiel says, God told me to cook my food over poop and eat it. True. (laughs) And I'm just like, we, we, we somehow want the promises of the new heavens and the new earth to be the reality that God says it can be yours now. If you do enough of whatever you can put the enough in there, pray enough, read your Bible enough, do this enough, work hard enough, 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 enough. Right. And And you can have heaven on earth now. Yeah. And this is what we want. And, you know, uh, I made this comment maybe in another podcast, but when I look at the metaverse and this new technology that's coming our way, this is what the promise is going to be. It's a perfection. I mean, if you ever watch, if you ever watch, yeah, if you ever watch a cartoon of like Disney characters, they're perfect like their skin tone and the design of them. And it's, we, we imagine what this world could be and that's what we want it to be. And then we're disappointed when it's not that. And, and all of that is, and this is what we're getting into it, all of that is, is the messaging of a sinful fallen world. The advertisement is, in other words, you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And the Christian life is saying, no, you are going to die. You're going to suffer and then die. But the difference is you're not going to suffer without hope and you're not going to be suffering uh, without dignity. And you're going to die knowing that the promises that you hold on to will give you the hope of what's to come. So Justin, a little bit of a, if you're ready to transition here, I think we should talk about the false advertisement that many Christians are embracing. And I think it's causing people to be robbed of rest. They are 
embracing agendas. They're putting energy into things that are of no value. Uh, it's almost like, you know, it's we're all on the Titanic and we're trying to bail water so that we can preserve this beautiful ship. And it's like it's or, going down or yeah, like we're on the Titanic and we're arguing about the furniture or the window treatments or we're complaining <laughs> about the service. You know, because cold. Yeah. Or like, yeah, my champagne is not chilled enough or something. I, it's insane. <laughs> right. I mean, so that's basically what we're doing. I, I don't know if that analogy holds in every way. They all fall apart at some point. But let me oh, start at yeah. this transition. Like we're making the transition. Let me start with this, because I think this is a broad ish one that we could riff on for a second and then maybe get more particular. I think that there is a misconception out there that if the church would just be the church as God intended. Uh, that we could eradicate this world of evil and that if the church would just be the church, then our entire country would change. Uh, if the church would be the church, the world would be transformed. And literally we're going to usher in the new heavens and the new earth is how it comes across. Um, and I think this is a problem because we have been led to believe through bad theology and bad teaching that if we do what we are supposed to do, this evil that we're experiencing now will go away. This suffering that we're experiencing now will be mitigated, you know, and that these disappointments that we all have in this life will somehow just evaporate and all will be well. And that is not true. It's, it's an overrealized eschatology. I mean, that's a theological term to use <laughs> yeah, where sure. we, we do, as we've already alluded to at multiple points on the show already, we want to have heaven now. And we want to build heaven on earth. And that is not what the instructions of the scriptures are to the saints. That's not what the mission of the church is biblically defined. We are actually meant to herald the work of Jesus Christ in the place of sinners and love each other and help one another die with dignity and hope, trusting the promises of God in Christ, knowing the hope to which we have been called and knowing that that hope is coming. And instead of Building heaven on earth the way that I might frame it is we are called actually to be waiting for and hoping in the new heavens and the new earth, you know, all because of Christ. And I think we've missed this in the church because the church, as we've stated before and others have said, is incredibly earthbound in so much of her thinking and in so much of her theology. Yeah. You know, this is the arrival, the, um, <clears throat> the arrival fallacy. And I, sure. I suffer from it. We all do. You suffer from it. We all do. And the thing is, we have to be aware that we do. We all have that expectation. If we could have this income, this, if I could get my body down to this weight, if I could have this house, if I could be married, if I could have children, if I could, if I, if I could, if I, and then we, we get there and <laughs> we realize, I, if, if, if I, yeah. And it always moves. I've, I've, I remember when I was in high school, if I couldn't wait to be, I could be married. And then it was, I could have this job and buy my first house. And, you know, I, I couldn't wait to buy my first street bike. It was like, you always have that moment of, if I get here and we just never arrive because this world cannot satisfy, but mm. man, does it advertise well. Oh. It, it has just an amazing, amazing advertisement. When you listen to the New Testament writers, you compare this, this, uh, we are going to arrive one day. There is this, uh, there is this arrival Justin's talked about, but it says while we wait, like mm -hmm. there's a wait that we, it's not here. You know, the, Paul this says is that the world eight, is, yeah. right. The yeah. world is groaning. 
our bodies are groaning. And you, both Peter and Paul talk about the return of Christ as something that we are anticipating as the arrival of everything that we have ever hoped for or anticipated. But Justin, what ends up happening in a, you know, I've gotten into some interesting conversations with friends, family, neighbors, and even unbelievers about the perspective of Christians. And, and I'm just going to be frank here. I live in America in America. It, it, there's this weird thing that has happened over. I know he said he's taking a big deep breath. There's a weird connection that's happened between Christianity and America that I really haven't seen. And I could well, I'm it happened probably in ignorant here. It did happen in Britain, but I'm yeah. talking about today, where there's a connection between our Christianity and the United States. And I know everybody likes to say in the South that you know the the United States is a Christian nation and it's built upon Christian principles and all that. And I'm early here to get involved in that, but uh, I do want to, and I'll set this up and throw it over to you, Justin, that this connection that we have, and I'm going to try to be very careful and respectful here, but this connection that we have between Christianity and American politics, I think is what causes a lot of tension and disappointment and people are being putting their hope. I'll just say it. They're putting their hope in a sinking ship. Yeah. The United States is not the means of our salvation. No. And I don't mean, I don't mean eternal salvation. I mean that which we are holding on to as if it's going to protect us from all that is evil out there. Yeah. Very quick comment that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. I'm saying this for my own discipline's sake. So stop me if I go too long on this. I think it needs to be stated, though, that the church's tendency to get involved in political matters and the church's tendency to hitch its wagon to various political and social movements has its roots in pietism and revivalism in this country. Mm -hmm. That has to be said. We talk Mm -hmm. about it a lot. I'm not going to labor it right now. But if you're interested in, in looking into some of those things more, hit us up, like DM us or whatever, and we can recommend some resources. And we may be doing some more podcasts down the road on some of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing some teaching on it in my own local church next year, and maybe we'll make some of that content available. Mm -hmm. Um, So that needs to be stated. So this is a problem. This has been a problem for a long time in this country where the church ends up hitching its wagon to politics and social movements and all these kinds of things. And it is a problem today where you see the polarization in our country generally, but the church, and in particular, the conservative evangelical church in America has hitched its wagon to the political right in ways that are just in my, in my opinion, as a Christian and as a pastor, nauseating Mm -hmm. and infuriating um, that makes a mockery of the faith. And I don't want to use inflammatory language in a a bad way. Um, But I'll just, I'll start it like this. I mean, I remember seeing a picture on Twitter recently. Um, like a bulletin or a flyer of from a particular church where it basically is marketing itself to people who are tired of some of the things going on societally. Like if you don't want masks and vaccine mandates, and if you don't want to have to pre-register, if you don't want, you know, CRT and all these kinds of things taught, if you don't want, you know, it's just like, then come to our church. And I'm, I literally, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I want to throw up, like looking at this. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous because we're being told in the church, in the, in the States, if you're a conservative, if you're, if you're an evangelical, this is what we need to be pursuing. We need to be squ-
squashing all of these things and we need to be pursuing these things politically. And then what's interesting to me, John, when it comes to like the vaccine and all these kinds of things that are going on right now, still the conversations in our culture, uh, you have a lot of people who are wanting to oppose the vaccine on religious grounds uh, because in what they're saying is I have religious freedom to not take the vaccine. And all they really mean is common kingdom. I have personal liberty under the constitution of the United States, not to be forced to have a vaccine. If I don't want a vaccine, if somebody said that I'm okay with it, I'm like, yeah, politically. Okay. We can have a conversation about personal liberty, but can we stop for a minute talking as though libertarianism is taught in the scriptures for crying out loud? It's not. I mean, it's just so stupid, John. And I, I don't, I shouldn't say so. it's not, it's foolish. And it is yeah. so this worldly, right? And it's short-sighted where we're thinking, we're being told that we need to fight these fights. Like the church is literally called to take up arms and fight these political battles mm-hmm. and to fight these common kingdom battles over vaccines and viruses and, you know, certain political agendas. And it's yeah. like, uh, the last time I did, do we not have Jesus in common? Is Jesus not what unites us? Is it this other That's stuff, right. really? If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. There's a tendency to, to even justify our sin. Well, because the government is doing this, then I have the right in response to do this. And uh, I don't, you know, look, there are articles out there who are encouraging Christians to lie about having the vaccine Cheapers. by pastors. And you were uh, saying, John, somebody's like comparing this to the Holocaust, like Jews. Oh, I know. I was like, huh? Um, yeah, like, we're not even we're not even remotely there. But I, I'm sorry, but we cannot justify our sins no. as a response to the government. Now, listen, you know, are we in the same situation that we find ourselves where we're hiding particular nationality of people because another nationality of people wants to murder them? That is not the situation we find ourselves in. And no. I think it's I think it's um, rude to even compare our circumstances to that circumstance. It was an un godly un just unreal like unspeakable the of horror. pain yeah. speakable yeah just you know so th- let's just be careful to not justify our actions by making comparisons that is just grossly not even the same yeah um i i think it needs to be said justin and we're going to help clarify the the difference here in that uh we we <laughs> we what we are not saying is that all of the lives that were given by Americans to preserve and fight for, I would say, against evil sure. was uh, was an ungodly, unnecessary thing. Uh, I believe that God has instituted governments Absolutely. and kings and to use them to suppress evil. He says and this for, in the scripture. Right. I think it's a biblical thing for us to be promoting and to support those who suppress evil. I'm very thankful for any country whom God has raised up to suppress evil. And so I'm thankful for our police officers. I'm thankful for anyone that's in the services of justice, whether it's military or local law enforcement, because God has instituted those to uphold the dignity and safety. And I would say um, uh, those uh, who are weak and frail and cannot defend themselves 
that God has raised them up. Now, there there is a difference here, and I, and I understand that the United States is full of people who are refugees from countries that are hor- horrendous, and they don't have freedom of religion. And if you have any other type of religion, then you are going to be persecuted and, in many ways, killed. Uh, and and I and I think it's horrendous that that people have to suffer. And and the majority of Christians outside of the United States do suffer from persecution, specifically in certain countries. Uh, but here's what's Justin. Here's where the, the the rub is, and where I think we need to be very careful. I'm very thankful for the United States, mm-hmm. and that God has allowed me at my time to live here and to be able to have an influence around the world. I mean, I would, we have just received several emails in the last few hours about people who've downloaded our free ebook in lots of different countries. And some yeah. of these countries are not safe to, you know, be a Christian in. Yeah. And we're, I'm, it, praise God that those people are reading a book that's going to lead them to rest in Christ. And uh, I'm thankful for all of that. And God has given us the opportunity to do that. And he's using Theocast for it. The difference I want to to make in our podcast and in our church and in our family, and I know that you do too, Justin, is that Uh, no matter what country we find ourselves in, our hope is never based upon the nationality of the flag that we wave Mm -hmm. because we believe in the power of the gospel. We believe that God is sovereign and that, that we have been commissioned as Christians to be the ones who are constantly uh, heralding the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And we, and no matter where we're at, we are going to reflect the nature of Christ and the nature of God. Therefore, we're always going to vote and as best we can suppress evil. Sure. But it is not our mission. It is the outflow of the nature of who we are. And that's where the difference is. And this is kind of where I want to take us. The difference between the the character of a Christian mm-hmm. and the mission of a Christian. Yeah. A few thoughts just to put a bow on the government politics sort of side of it. I, I like you, I'm, I'm grateful for our country. I'm thankful to be an American and I'm unashamed about the fact that I'm a Christian first and an American second. I mean, that's the that's right. the bottom line here too. Right. And at a common kingdom level, like I'm or a very Korean concerned. or a Mexican, you know, right. from Mexico, it's right. like at a common every- kingdom level, bro, I'm very concerned about things that affect our society and how our government functions. And I want to do everything that I can as a citizen to love my neighbor and pursue justice you know, as I understand it in this world, according to the objective standards of righteousness that are revealed in the scripture. I mean, that's what I'm going to do as a citizen. Right. Um, but your thing, your point, the things that you're, you're driving us to here are appropriate. The mission of a Christian or the mission of the church and the clarity of that is critical for our thinking. And rather than being pointed toward things, like you said, this world is a sinking ship, this country is a sinking ship rather than being pointed toward things that are inherently you're know, going to perish one day. Let's be doing things that are of eternal value that have to do with the promises of God in Christ that are redemptive in nature, that are salvific in nature that will endure literally for eternity. That's what we need to be concerned with. And this is a lot could be said here, but I think Christians would be helped to be reminded of the fact that there really are very few things in this life that we do that are sacred. Um, There are very few things that we do in this life that are redemptive because out there in the church broadly, I I think this narrative exists, John. I think we've talked to this at other points. Christians are almost encouraged to think about everything they do as redemptive. They're, They're encouraged to think about everything they do as like worship. They're encouraged to think about everything that they do being of like eternal significance. And it's like, I, 
we could parse some of that out and have a more specific conversation. But actually, you lose the ability to rightly distinguish between things if you make everything sacred. And in reality, there are a few things in the church that we do that are actually sacred. And those things occur when we gather, you know. And there is a distinction that needs to be made between corporate worship formally and other forms of worshiping the Lord of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of these things aren't talked about very well. And so then we get all kind of confused about how I need to be living my life and what I need to be pursuing and doing. And bottom line, like be a responsible citizen in this country. And please, like as the church institutionally, we ought not ever hitch our wagons to a particular political movement. My goodness, that has borne nothing but terrible fruit over the course of history. And, And I fear that many in the church are doing that today. And, right. And this doesn't mean you can't have political opinions based no, upon biblical principles. Of course, not. right. As a citizen, uh, right. you can. And Absolutely. Should. Yeah. Right. I mean, I have to go back to a passage we read all the time, but I want to emphasize a particular uh, section of it. Um, we aren't throwing our hands up in the air and just saying, well, the world's going to burn. Who cares? That's the exact opposite of what Peter yeah. says, right? Let me just read this to you. This is 2 Peter. And he's saying that God sovereignly is the one who has brought us from death to life. And he is the one who is going to be faithful to his promises because of who God is. This is 2 Peter 1, 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness and with godliness, brotherly affection and love. So the point of it is, as Christians, when you're talking about virtue, that it is a virtuous thing to be uh, anti-abortion. Like, I, I think it's a great thing. My aunt who, you know, I'm, I'm going to text her and let her know I promoted her ministry. But my aunt, Jackie Moffitt, has started seven pregnancy crisis centers in yeah. the Chicago area over the last 25 years to help fight against abortion. Sure. She has helped save thousands of babies. And I love promoting what she does because it's a virtuous thing to do. Yeah. Praise God for that, right? No, amen. I mean, and, and I don't want to be misunderstood either. I mean, and when we're encouraging people towards keeping the sacred things sacred, at least for me, and I, I know you agree, John, but keeping yeah. the sacred things sacred, keeping the redemptive things redemptive and being clear on that stuff, what we're actually trying to do for people, for the saints, is to help us be more fruitful and more effective. That's right. Right. In terms of the mission of the church, keeping that pure so that we might see more people trust Christ. But then it also allows us, as we've talked about in the past, even on our Two Kingdoms episode, you're actually freed up to be more fruitful and effective as a citizen of the common kingdom when you keep these things separated. And so I don't want us to be misunderstood. Sincerely, last comment on the political government stuff. I fear that what is happening it's this overrealized eschatology thing again. We are yep. deluded into thinking that if we do the right stuff politically and if the church gets behind the right political party or whatever it is, and we see these people voted into office, then we can have this utopian existence in the United States of America under God. And that is where we go astray and we run this thing aground because that is not the promise of the Lord at all in his word, mm-hmm. you know. The, the promise of the Lord is actually that, you know, government has been ordained by him. Of course, government is going to be corrupt at points. I mean, read, read prophetic literature, apocalyptic literature, read Revelation. I mean, it's very clear that the beast is the state, you know. That's right. And so the state is going to prey upon people in this fallen world. That is true. And we are called to hope in the one who ultimately will, will judge the beast and the false prophet and Satan himself. And will be our deliverer and rescuer and who has saved us, right? And that's, that's right. 
all we're advocating for on today's show. Yeah. And, and the thing is to, if you realize there, there's two things and, it, and it's hard for us, Justin, because when you and I get off this podcast, our bodies are frail. We're yep. hungry. We're going to go to lunch. Yep. We want those to serve us a meal. You know, I'm going to go get some taquitos at our local Oscars taco shop whoop, whoop, from San Come Diego. And, you know, I'm expecting that food to be clean. I don't want maggots in it. And I, and I don't want it to be scraped sure. off a toilet seat. And, you know, I have these expectations and, th- but you know, it, it, there's there's this there's this confusion that happens between like we are still living in this world. So, but there's a difference between understanding that I am going to be disappointed by the sinfulness of this world, mm-hmm. but yet I don't have to carry the weight that it's my responsibility that everything has to change. And if it doesn't change, then we have failed, and I have yeah. failed, and God has failed. God does not and is not failing. I trust this. It's hard for me to explain this to people that when their child dies of cancer and their marriage falls apart Mm. and the government, you know, when I, you know, I, my blood pressure doesn't rise. You know, I like, I pay attention to politics. I pay attention to investing in the stock market. I like to pay attention to all that kind of stuff just because it's the world that I live in and it affects how I pastor and affects the people and the economy and giving. And it really helps me be a better shepherd. Uh, But the difference is, is that my blood doesn't boil. When, when I see people, who are doing things that are obviously wrong and mm-hmm. they justify it mm-hmm. and the world blows up over it. I'm like, what, what, what did you expect? These are sinners, mm-hmm. you know, in Rome or in Genesis six, when, when God looks upon the world and says, there is nobody who yeah. can do good. Yeah. I'm like, look that not, you know, nothing the, changed between Genesis six and the now. thoughts and inclinations of man's heart are only evil continually. Continually. Yeah. So why are you surprised when the president of the United States does things that are evil yeah. or your boss Dude, that's or a, your neighbor? That's a whole other conversation. Like we would be helped. To t- like, is God's law a thing? You better believe it's a thing. And is God just? Yes, he's just. And at the same time, to expect non-believers to live according to God's law is, in- is insane. It doesn't compute to me. You know why we would expect people outside the church to live as we strive to live within it. Um, and we should is, expect them to live according to their nature, correct. which is evil. Correct. It's fallen. Correct. So that's why I'm yeah. like, I'm never surprised by one sinner's sin because no. that's the nature of who they are. This yeah. is what they're going to I mean, do. I'm not justifying it. Cor- no, me either. But it's like, my goodness, if in the church we've been given the Holy Spirit and we are saints and sinners simultaneously and we battle our flesh and do things we don't want to do, how much more so for people in the world who don't care about the law of God and all they care about are their desires, you know, their, their cravings. And they're going to go try to meet those. Of course you are. What else would we expect? All right, let's maybe circle back to another big one, I think, in yeah. terms of things that we're pointed to in the church. And this is a really good thing. I mean, like we just talked about government. Government is a God-ordained institution for our benefit, actually. And right. when government functions as it should, it does protect our liberty and our property. And the power of the sword is wielded in a way that benefits us. This other thing that we're about to talk about is even is spoken to even more in some ways in the scriptures, and it's a clearly good thing. It's the design of God, and that is marriage and the family. Mm-hmm. But we are encouraged in various ways to put our hope in marriage and to put our hope in having kids and having a healthy marriage and having a healthy family in ways that I think are often to our detriment because we end up in one sense almost idolizing and worshiping marriage and idolizing and worshiping the family. Uh, in Jesus' name, you know, and that's yeah. not helpful for us. And so we oftentimes, if we're honest, 
we are disappointed because again, we have these desires, we have these hopes that are unrealized and unmet, even in our marriages and in our family. Things are just harder than we ever expected them to be because life in this fallen world is often hard. And I think sometimes the way that marriage and family is presented in the church, um, it sets people up for this perpetual disappointment. And there's this, I think, if you were to read Christian blogs and if you were to look at um, books that come out or even just posts by influential Christian people, especially in that marriage and family vein, I think you would leave reading and looking at a lot of that, thinking, my goodness, my marriage is an epic failure. And Mm -hmm. my parenting in my my household is a dumpster fire, apparently, because all these people have this stuff together and all of their dreams and hopes are being realized and mine are not. Mm. And so it's tough for us, you know, but it's very clear. I'll just go and say this as a husband and as a dad. um, I find myself at times disappointed and frustrated with how things are going in my home. And I have to take an honest assessment of that and realize that so often that has to do with my own unrealistic and sinful desires and expectations. I am expecting something that isn't promised to me. And in fact, if we had a better perspective and a better handle on what marriage and family look like in a fallen world, you know, as we're trying to love each other, as we're aiming to cling to Christ together, we would do better, I think. And by do better, I don't mean we would just like do better as most of the time people mean it. I mean, we would trust Christ and seek to love each other in the midst of difficult circumstance and in the midst of our own failure. Yeah. Well, this time of year is really hard. I mean, this is the uh, Hallmark, you know, peak. It's where everybody goes and subscribes to Hallmark to watch all the Christmas Hallmark things. And I make fun of it. And I honestly, I cannot stomach it. It drives me absolutely insane. But, you know, every story I watch, you know, I, I come by and I just ask, you know, my family, okay, what's, what's this one? And it, they're always the beginning story. It's always exciting to see a new relationship start oh, yeah. because it's the, it's the unknown, right? It's buying a new house. It's buying a new car. New things are always it, exciting. Yeah, exactly right. And so if you th- ask most people, if they're honest, why do, why do you get married? What's your expectation out of this marriage? And let's not fantasize over this. Let's be mm-hmm. real right? We get married because we want this person to make me happy. We have a dream. That's right. We're trying to fulfill. that dream delivered on. That's right. We want, you know, and so then, you know, the response would be then, John, then why do Christians get married? And there's a lot of reasons why Christians get married. Uh, But what's interesting is that if your entire desire is to fulfill this fantasy of the perfect marriage leads to, you know, it's like, you're, you're, you're doomed (laughs) for destruction. You know, there's a great book out there. You can help me with the title, but it's like uh, something like to the fact that, you know, what did you expect? You know, what's what, you know, book I'm talking about. You've mentioned it before. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, what did you expect? (laughs) Yeah. When two sinners get married. Well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What did you expect? It's a great book. Right. Right. You know, and it's funny. It's like in many ways you put a dog and a cat in their natural habitats into into one room. What did you expect is going to happen? There's going to be fighting, right? And you're astonished. It's like, I can't believe that, you know, I never thought I would marry somebody who would say that to me. And it's like, well, why not? You're a sinner. I mean, (laughs) you say things all the time, you know, that, I mean, but we talk like this because we have these absurd expectations because why we expect our spouse to be able to give us something that only God himself could give us. We expect our kids to give us something that only God himself could give us. And we put these absurd Mm -hmm. expectations and burdens on people and it's impossible. 
And this goes back to your statement that God never fails to give us what he has promised. And if we allow God to bring that satisfaction, then when you go into marriage, ultimately the way in which you understand that Paul designs it is that the joy of marriage is to reflect Christ to our spouse with meekness and patience and mercy and grace. And we receive, as Jesus says, we receive joy and not only joy, but his joy Mm -hmm. when we love our spouse Mm -hmm. with the same love that we received. So ultimately Christians should be going into marriage, realizing that one, it is going to be a a true fulfillment, not only relationally and physically, and emotionally, there will be a joy. And this Absolutely. is why we do get married, right? Yeah. We, we we desire those things to be emotionally and physically and, and um, even sexually satisfied in yeah. that way. But those cannot fulfill no. the thing that, that ultimately it says it's better to give than to receive. And the, the purposes of marriage, when Paul talks about it, is that it does reflect the relationship that happens between Christ and the church mm-hmm. and that they are united as one and they give to each other with meek. You know, we receive grace and mercy from Christ and then we give that mercy and grace to one another as we await the final marriage, right? As mm-hmm. we await. And so God uses marriage within, within a broken world to obviously re to procreate. I think it gives us as, as a means of help. This is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam was yeah. given Eve as a means of help. And so I think being married gives us a way of encouragement and strength and help and to, and to be able to reflect those things. Uh, but often, Justin, I mean, you and I, we talk about our counseling sessions that we find ourselves in, our own marriages. Yeah. When our eyes get off of Christ oh. and our expectations. We put expectations it, on our wives. Well, and it's all about and our us. wives. Put expectations on yeah, us, it's all about us that are unrealistic. Yeah. Then what happens? Fighting and bickering yeah. and disappointment. And it's just it it despair. The ship, whatever the ship is sinking. Yeah. And we're like, well, how dare you make me go and clean the kitchen at the sink? Right. You know, it's 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 weird. It's this weird thing that we do to each other. No, it's so true. And it's all because we're putting we're attaching hope to something that we should never hope in. And we're attaching our satisfaction and our happiness, our peace and our rest to something that could never give us that stuff. And yeah. And a couple of other thoughts along these lines, and then we'll maybe land this thing and Mm -hmm. and move towards Mm -hmm. SR. Yeah. I think that what I'm about to say, I'm pretty confident it's true. Uh, I've just jotted this down as you were talking. Whenever we turn something, because we're take marriage, whenever you turn something that is good and make it the greatest thing, not only do you make it an idol, if you make, right. if you make something that's good, the greatest thing, you make it an idol. But if you make, if take something that's good and turn it into something and make it the greatest thing, you're setting yourself up inevitably for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's obvious to me, I think. And I think that's a biblical principle. Where we want to go, I, ultimately in the last couple of minutes here, before we transition to the SR podcast, is that all of these things, as good as some of them might be, marriage, family, you know, government, politics, personal liberty, other things that we pursue in this world, things that are, are championed in the church these days, as good as they may be, they're not the greatest thing. And they're not what can ultimately give a believer hope and peace and rest. Only Jesus can do that. And so in the church, we need to take great pains. And you and I are pastors. We're preachers of God's word. And so we need to take great pains to communicate week after week after week that Christ is it. I mean. Where is our hope found? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? It's the solid rock of Christ. 
is the place we stand. And, and he's the only place we can look ultimately, because if we're talking in absolute terms, peace and rest come from nowhere else. That's right. I might be encouraged by some other things. I can be thankful for some other things. Some other things are good, but man, hope and peace and rest come from Christ and Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll, this is a great transition over for our Semper Reformanda podcast. And I'll let you explain what that is here in a minute, Justin. But this is why it's so important that God has instituted the local church to gather because they are beat down by their own flesh, disappointment, Mm -hmm. the world, sin, destruction, decay. And they gather to be renewed in the promises of Christ that God is. I mean, this is why Revelation is such a powerful book in that at the, you know, John writes it to the church who's discouraged and beat down. He's like, listen, we're in the midst of this spiritual war. And in the end, Christ returns and he wipes away all tears. He wins. He wins. But while we wait, let's gather to be encouraged, build one another up and, and strengthen one another. And so the message of Christ and the clarity of the preaching of the gospel is more important than a political view, a view on the vaccine, a view on mm-hmm. COVID, a view on anything else. This is why the church has to stay focused on preaching Christ. And we're going to talk yeah. about that in Semper Reformanda. It's more important than the public school system. Are you filling oh, the blank? Boy. Yeesh. All right. Let's just, you know, pull some pins on some grenades and walk out of the room, right? So we're headed over to the Semper Reformanda podcast. Yeah, everyone, we, we would all be helped to trust Christ and calm down as John is oh, holding I'm putting that, that right there. Up. Come on. Put with that it. right on my microphone. Come on with it. We are headed over to the Semper Reformanda podcast. And that is a an additional podcast that John and I record every week for our Semper Reformanda members. And if you don't even know what that is, what our membership is, you can find more information about that on our website, theocast.org. It's all pretty plain laid out for you there. Um, SR members are people that have partnered with Theocast financially. And not only does it give you access to this additional podcast content every week, there's other stuff that goes on with being an SR member. And you get on an app, you have access to an app where we all kind of have a community together and we message. JP was over there posting something yesterday. Yeah, I did. I posted a sermon I preached recently. I've been trying to respond to messages on there. And it's a sweet community that is being built over there. It is so safe. Yeah. No advertisements and nobody fighting. It's amazing. It's, It's sweet. And there, yeah, other things just uh, that come along with being an SR member. There's groups and all kinds of things, plans for the future that SR members are involved in too. So look into that if you're interested. So John and I are headed over there. We'll talk with many of you over there. For those of you that might not be SR members yet, we'll talk with you in the regular podcast again next week. Grace and peace. Trust Christ to calm down. Get your sticker at theocast.org. Word.